This is it. The final Grand Slam of the year is upon us, but with injuries adding up, we start without five of the world's top 11 players. Does this mean we could be crowning a first-time Grand Slam champion, or will Federer and Nadal continue their domination of the majors in 2017? This is the ATP Tennis Radio US Open Preview Podcast. Hello and welcome. Lovely to have you with us. My name is Gigi Salmon, currently sat in the media restaurant which looks out onto the the mega store at the US Open. We are at the Billie Jean King National Tennis Centre. It's the eve of the final major of the year. It's quite a nice time to be here because there are some fans but not too many so it's fairly peaceful but I'm not totally alone because with me three-time US Open doubles champion Mark Woodford. Hello Mark. Uh, GG thank you that's a long time ago. Three (laughs) times I won here? Yeah. Can we round have, it up? Have you lost count? Because you are so many. <laughs> but I am enjoying sitting here late Sunday afternoon, as you yeah. say, on the eve of the tournament. And there is, a, to me, a sense of calmness. The day before the slams, I'm used to being, you, you know, uh, a bit more edgy. Uh, you know, players are, you know, frantically trying to get around practice, uh, get ready for the start. But today, just there's a real sense of ease. It's quite a nice fit. And there are so many changes taking place here, even from last year to this year with the Louis Armstrong. But not with the planes. Not with the planes. And there might be some trains. Um, (laughs) Louis Armstrong's now in a car park, but only temporarily. Yep. The court. We do have the roof on Arthur Ashe, and they've made some modifications because it was a little bit noisy Mm. last year. Mm. They're always developing. They're always changing. Year after year. um, When I first arrived this morning and collected my credential, uh, spoke to a, a USTA um, uh, hierarchy and was really just interested to w- so what's happened in 12 months because over the last it, it seems like uh, 15 t- uh, plus years there's always these incremental changes and uh, it's what makes the US Open um, certainly uh, that mo- one of the most difficult slams to win I, I think uh, behind the French Open where it's a bit more of a physical test here it's a mental test because of the the year has is starting to, to wind down. Um, the summer, the US summer can be quite brutal. Um, you never know what the weather's going to be like here, but I believe the first week is supposed to be quite sensational. Today it's not too bad, though. I mean, it's, it's yes, it's hot. Well, I've come over from the UK, so of course it's hot. <laughs> there's, there's a bit of a breeze, but looking at the temperatures, it, it's not going to be as brutal as it could be. Mm, mm. Well, there's always here, I think, that uh, mystery with the humidity. I mean, you can have low temperatures, but high humidity level. Apparently, it's supposed to be what low to mid twenties for the first yeah, week. Yeah. Maybe on Wednesday, just a little bit of it, overcast it weather. It starts to kind of go up a bit yeah. from there, I think. So, um, you know, great playing weather, and I think for the players generally, that's one less hurdle that they have to navigate or, or make it difficult to um, survive. When was your first year here? Can you remember? <clears throat> I think it was in eight. 87, 87. Dare I say, 87 or 88. Is it totally, completely changed or the fundamentals are the same, they just added to it? Um, for, for me, total total ends of the spectrum. Um, <laughs> you know, it was, uh, I mean, in its time and when I first arrived, I mean, it was such a buzz to get here. Um, the energy levels, constant noise, constant cooking, wafts of hamburgers and hot dogs uh, <laughs> over the match courts. Not just the practice courts, but the match courts as well. Made you... <laughs> You know, damn hungry, having to uh, you know get that sense of. If you're ketchup. in a five setter. <laughs> um, but you you were dropped off in different areas. The buses, um, the the courts, the the locker room, very very different. And you know now it's just like a, a completely new complex that they've started up. But they do have those remnants of um, the the indoor where the old indoor court, the indoor courts now. But that was the old. Um, 
player area, player locker room. Um, you just walked onto Louis Armstrong, which was, then was the, the main court. And that was part of the drama when you walked out of the player area over to Louis Armstrong. I mean, they had like a tunnel of fans. I mean, it was like a, for me, was going into, if I was a boxer. Um, yeah, going into the ring. Into the ring. that ring walk. It, it just, it was certainly something. They don't have that quite the same um, in the current setup, but boy, this is a still a fantastic centre court that players oh. uh, go uh, walking out to play on. Oh no, it's incredible. Now the build-up to this has, I think we can say it's been slightly overshadowed with the injuries. Now we already knew that we'd lost Milos Raonic to, to injury; he mm-hmm. wasn't going to play, and Djokovic and Vavrinka called time on their season. Then Kane Shakuri did so, but Andy Murray had been struggling with a hip, hadn't played since Wimbledon. He held a press conference on Saturday afternoon, and. I believe that the, the press, and having spoken to a couple of members of the British press, were very surprised when he came out and said, I'm sorry, I can't compete, the hip's not right. And he looked quite emotional when he said that he just didn't physically feel that he could get through this tournament. Mm, that's um, no, not, not surprising to hear that. Um, you know, for, for Andy, I, when I heard that he was arriving to play the tournament, um, I, I, I must admit I, I um, felt that he wasn't going to play because he hadn't played any of the, the other tournaments leading up to the US Open. Yeah. I'm always a believer of um, the, the very best, the, the upper echelon, um, e- even though they um, that standard is, is um, you know, I mean, they set this, the bar so high. I always felt like that Andy, though, needed maybe one, if not two tournaments to play his best tennis. Um, So when the announcement came that he was coming here to play, I thought, okay, well, surely Ivan Lendl is going to be putting him through a certain, like a fitness test um, to to trial out that that hip. Um, When the draw came out, I thought that really cemented he's going to give this a crack. And maybe in the back of his mind, with the withdrawals of the other um, players that were perhaps hurdles in his path. Maybe he thought, you know, I can, I can maybe survive some of these early rounds. But obviously, arriving, practicing, putting himself through, um, you, you know, certain uh, time workouts, um, it just w- wasn't to, to be, um, you know, for, for Andy. And, you know, joining that long list of injury prone players yeah, no, it's, it's a lot of tennis that they're having to play these days and the level that they're having to play at it's no wonder I mean for, for Andy it's it's just his body is telling him I you know I need a break and the two men that took a break last year were Rafa Nadal and Roger Federer because of their ongoing injuries and they needed to rest and recover and heal Andy Murray's in the bottom half of the draw gone mm-hmm. Roger Federer Rafa Nadal in the top half of the draw so out of those two who is the favorite we had the, the tweak of the back for Roger Federer, who didn't play Cincinnati. So at this stage, on the eve of the US Open, who out of those two is the favourite? Out of Roger and Rafa. And why? Oddly enough, they have not played. Is that true that they have not played here? Roger and Rafa have not played at the US Open? I mean, let's just lift our jaws up (laughs) off the floor um, right now because, I mean, for me, the amount of times that they have played head-to-head and they have not played at a it's US incredible. Open. And that would be a semi-final here, so we can't have them in the final. There was a, a video a couple of days ago of, of Nadal in practice against Badasco, looked to sort of clutch the knee, and, mm. and then the Federer back, and they're managing themselves. And it, it's a Grand Slam, as you know, it's a tough test. It's two weeks of so seven matches. Could go to five sets every match. 
and and you, you, having played till I was 35 years of age, so I know the difficulty in your body recovering. And I'm, not for one second am I putting myself in that echelon of Roger Federer, who is proving that you can bounce back in between, you know, these um, uh, two-week tournaments, seven matches, best of five sets. Navigated his way beautifully at, at Wimbledon as well as the Australian Open. Um, for me, I think if if uh, they did come out on Arthur Ashe semi-finals day, for me, I think Roger um, to me is still the that that has the edge on the hard courts. I think for for Rafa, the, the U.S. Open that the centre court has a tendency in the late in the day in the evenings has a glassy kind of layer to it, plays a little faster, and I just think the slickness to the courts would probably aid Roger. But again, you have to maybe throw in. You know, how are they to get to the semifinals? How have they navigated? Are they are they bruised from playing, you know, some of the, the other early round matches to get to the semifinal stage? Um, for me, Roger has that ability to street through opponents. Rafa is always making it a battle. It's a it's a physical battle every match for him. Very rare for him to, to knock someone off. Um, you know, in three straight sets in a you know an hour and fifteen minutes, Roger I think can do that. Um, so it's going to be unfolding very soon. Yeah, no, it really is. I'm delighted to have Mark Woodford alongside me, three-time double champion here at the US Open. It's the eve of the US Open. We've got so much to get through. And the next person, it's going to be very interesting to get Mark's take on him because it's Nick Kyrgios, who recently spoke to the ATP World Tour Uncovered programs, Gabriel Clark. Good serve out wide, Kyrgios gets a racket on it, but it's a high ball, should be a put away. Oh, Kyrgios stands there, and it's in, it's dropped in from Kyrgios. Dolgopolov running back, hoists one high in the air. Kyrgios pounds the forehand away. Sensational play. He had no right to win that point whatsoever. Something I've learned about myself is that I can bounce back quite well. Nick Kyrgios has had a roller coaster season after a slow start to 2017. The Australian has demonstrated his desire and fighting spirit. After the Australian Open, lost second round and didn't really know whether or not I was going to sort of continue to play for the next couple of months or just take it off and came back from Davis Cup and, and obviously that was the best choice I could have made to be back with a great group of guys and, and just remember that tennis can be fun. In early spring, Kyrgios was looking for form on the ATP World Tour and being drawn against one of the greats of the game in Miami he showed his true talent. You know, I've had some great memories already this season. That match against Federer sort of stands out. Talk about belief in your own ability. Kyrgios has stepped up big time. Well, I think it was one of the best matches I've played. That was a match that I won't ever forget. What an atmosphere worthy of the gods right now. This place is rocking. What a match. Roger Ferrer wins one of the matches of the year. Beating Djokovic twice in a row in the States was, was a great, great couple of weeks for me. I thought a lot of people were kind of looking forward to that matchup, and we'd never played each other before, and then kind of just, we saw each other in the draw, and we sort of knew it was that time that we were going to play, and it was exciting. You know, I was very excited to play him. You are kidding me. Saving his best when it really matters, Kyrgios. Obviously one of the greatest of all time. He's certainly in the conversation. So, um, yeah, I mean, 
I just took a load of confidence. You know, I always believed that I could win those type of matches, and I feel like every time I step out of the court now, I've got a great chance to win a match. Kyrgios can't control his emotions. A truly epic contest. He'll soon realise that the tennis world is at his feet. Playing in an era of greats, it's natural to learn from legends. But Kyrgios has found inspiration from his peers. None more so than friend and rival Alexander Zverev, whose impressive rise has given Nick new belief and targets. We played juniors together, so it was always good, um, you know, having him to sort of talk to or hang out with at different tournaments. You know, he's been playing great tennis. He's got a massive future ahead. I actually envy him in a way that, you know, he does all the right things. He's very professional, and that's obviously something that I don't quite um, tick the box there. So, And he's younger than me as well, so it's going to be exciting to watch him play. You know, as it stands at the moment, I've got the winning record, so I'm sure I'll play him a lot more times. Being close with his rivals is helping Kyrgios. Sharing so much time together on tour and establishing a close-knit bond is crucial. Andy Murray will second that. Me and Andy, we're, we're great mates. We're one of my best mates on tour. Every time he's in the locker room, we'll talk, we'll, we'll, we'll joke around, we'll have good banter. He's a guy that's always been nice to me. He always has my back, and, and when I can talk about something, I can always go to him, and yeah, he's, he's just a great guy. With close friends offering encouragement and a renewed attitude helping him deal with the expectation, Nick Kyrgios is thriving. There's every chance his best could be about to come on the US hard courts this summer. So as an Australian, talking about Australia, I mean, we are scratching our heads about Nick Kyrgios. Nick Kyrgios for you, thoughts, talent, what can he achieve? Where's he at right now? He has a lot of fans and a lot of, a lot of Australian fans. I think um, what, what bothers me, and I, I've commentated a number of his matches over the years, um, is he's got so much talent and I feel like he's, uh, with some of the outbursts that we've seen and we've witnessed, um, that have cost him matches. That, that bothers me because you know he's got so much talent and I'd, I'd rather him uh, not waste that opportunity as a tennis player. I think there you know, is such a, a small window of time for him to, to maximise um, his, his high-level gr great potential to achieve greatness. I, I mean, I, yes, I do see Do you him believe as a, he could be a great? <clears throat> totally. Might not have the career as you know, the, the two players we were talking earlier about, Nadal, Federer, maybe, you know, some of those guys, he might be a bit more of a, um, you know, win uh, three, two, three, four. I don't, I don't know if he could win more than that. Um, you know, we'll see. But I think he has that possible possibility of, of reaching number one as well. Um, but Is he coachable as a coach? For, for me, I, and I've been asked that a few times, I don't trust myself that I could help him um, manage the emotional side with the, the outbursts. I'm, I'm, um, uh, my, my history with some players, I prefer them to be you know, a bit more focused on the court, a bit more workmanlike. Um, uh, the, the, the banter that would go back and forth, not, not banter from me, but just the, maybe the finger pointing of, of <laughs> you know, what's going on here? You, you know, I, that, that doesn't sit well with me. Um, but 
this year I think has been a, a different Nick Kyrgios and we, we've got to remember he's still young I mean uh, and, and I'm not trying to make excuses or give him a break here but you know it's it is a sport he's put he's thrust into the spotlight Australian tennis we want our champions in a, a, as tennis players and um, his every move is being reported and I think sometimes he likes to be able to hide himself away and, and maybe shoot a few baskets, maybe eat some junk food, maybe not practice as much, maybe not have to train as hard. Um, but when you're in that spotlight, there is that expectation from fans that you know, in order for him to achieve greatness, he's got to apply himself. And this year, I think he has turned the corner. I think he's starting to mature at a tremendous rate. Um, I watched the, the matches in in Cincinnati. I think that's some of the best tennis that he's played on a huge. consistent level. A Masters 1000 final is a big thing. Massive, massive um, result there. And I think, that, look, he's not short on belief, self-confidence, um, but I think there's a, a lack of belief that he could do it um, in a big tournament like the Masters series, but he's shown himself that he can do it. And he's been able to, to we've seen glimpses of it at Grand Slams, but he hasn't gone past that quarterfinal stage. So I think it's just a matter of time for Nick Kyrgios. As long as he gives himself a bit of a break um, and doesn't put too much pressure on himself, doesn't read too much into perhaps us on the sidelines saying, yes, he's, he's got that, um, that opportunity to win a Grand Slam, but just goes about his work on a daily basis. Um, I, I, you know, whether it happens here, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure. I, I don't, I think the end product of Nick Kyrgios we'll see in another two years. The man who beat him in that Cincinnati Masters 1000 final was Gregor Dimitrov. Now, it was also the biggest match of his career to date. He got over the finish line. He was the champion. Now, he's a little bit older at 26, and he's also one of these... He, he was almost starting to feel a little bit like the forgotten generation. Yeah. So much was spoken about him, and then people said, well, maybe this is where he's going to get. But another massively talented individual. Unfortunately for him, he's in the top half of the draw, where we still have people like Rafa Nadal yeah. and Roger Federer. But what winning that title might do for Grigor Dimitrov, confidence and belief alone? Exactly. Um, I will go back and not, not to, to, to knock what you just you know, put out there, Gigi, but early in the year, started off fantastically Brilliant well start. and we all started talking, didn't we? we? You know, like, okay, a year of Dimitrov. He's going to break out of this, um, you know, bracket of players that we've been asking, you know, or, or hoping that they would, assuming they were going to, you know, make it up to that, that hierarchy and they haven't um, Dimitrov took a long while till he hit form again uh, in, in Cincinnati um, be interesting to see how he handles again this spotlight that he enters into and in, in a way it might be beneficial for him to be in that upper half because again the focus goes on to Nadal and Federer assuming they're going to get through to the semi-finals so that releases a bit of pressure off of him. If he was in the bottom half, I think you and I, and amongst Dimitrov a lot of other tennis, the final. that's it. We would be putting him all the way through. And that, I think, you know, he struggles with that expectation. Now, I'm giving Mark a little bit of time here because I want him to put together his top five hardcore players in the Open era because recently we had a chat with Paul Anacone, former player, coach, now working uh -huh. in the TV industry alongside Mark. He gave us his top five. It doesn't have to be in order, Mark. I'm just going to get your five names. But he started with what we were talking about at the top of the show, injuries, and his former charge in particular, Roger Federer.
I didn't get to talk to Roger, just had a little chat with uh, Severin Luti. And, you know, at this stage of his career, you know, I think when you have slight issues with the body, particularly last year having surgery, he just wants to make sure he gives himself his best chance to be ready for the U.S. Open. I was talking about it uh, with someone yesterday in the locker room um, in the player lounge area, and it's amazing. You know, you look at everything that's happened kind of since Wimbledon. You know, you look at you look at Novak and Andy struggling, and Kay's now out, and Stan's out, and Milos is out, and you know, it's it's incredible. And I wonder how much of it is the switch of surface from grass to clay, how much it is just a cumulative effect of a long season and a long career, um, and the cumulative effect of just playing a lot of tennis. And some of these guys are getting a little bit older now, so I wonder if they're a little more vulnerable. And then the last part of that equation and question mark really is, you know, as major events get closer, players are a little more sensitive and they get a little more nervous, so some of it is preventative as well. And one of those players who is here, uh, Rafa, um, so too Sasha Zverev, who is obviously in this hugely rich vein of form. I, I said it this morning, it, almost an unthinkable question to ask a few months ago, but which of these guys are you expecting more of here on this surface? Yeah, it's amazing. Sasha Zverev has just catapulted the summer into the hardcourt scene. Look, we knew he was a great player, and we've seen the meteoric rise up the ranks, and now he's knocking on the door to the greatest of the greats. He's really ready to break through. Uh, and by breakthrough, to me, that means semifinals or winning a major. And that's kind of the next step for him. He's got two Masters 1000s under his belt now. Um, so for Sasha, it's going to be an interesting next few weeks. And Rafa, Rafa's Rafa. So you can't not expect great things for him. Um, he's really come into great form this year. It's been amazing to watch the resurgence of uh, both Rafa and Roger. And I think it's great for the game. Um, and no one's competitive spirit kind of flows more freely and more jubilantly than Rafa Nadal. So to see him at the top of the game again is really a treat. These are the thoughts of Paul Anacone here on ATP Tennis Radio. Paul, it's it's opening up too for the Americans in the draw, you have to say. Um, can you see any of them going really deep in the draw? Sure, I could see a lot of them. I mean, Sam Query's played great tennis. Uh, Sam winning in Mexico just a couple weeks back, and he's won two titles in Mexico. Big confidence booster doing so well at Wimbledon. So Sam, I think, has raised his level this year and starting to believe even at the highest levels, which is great to see. Um, of course, John Isner... Um, is playing terrific tennis. So those two guys are at the forefront. And, you know, to see someone like Jared Donaldson playing great tennis as well at such a young age, it's really, it's, it's been a pleasure to watch the kind of the resurgence and the resurgence of the layers of American players. So for me, it's fun to see. This new breed coming through, the, the sort of 20, 19, 20-year-olds, 20 any of them the real deal for you? I think a lot of them are. You know, I'm, I'm still waiting to see what happens. You know, Francis Tiafo, he, he's right there. Jared Donaldson, Taylor Fritz is coming off a couple little injuries. Uh, the names go on and on. Riley Opelka, we saw Chris Eubanks this summer kind of jump onto the scene. There, there's a half a dozen to ten names that are in that next layer of level and those kids are so young and they have the skills to move up so for me I just love the methodology behind it because I'm a big believer that the more there are in the group the more likely that they're going to push each other to higher levels so for me it's an exciting time. Well just finally you mentioned the players and and your career you know across your playing career and your coaching career spanned such a long time I'm sure you'll forgive me for saying that which which are the 
the best players out there on hard? I mean, if you had to pick five. Well, um, and for me, you know, just to, the era has changed in terms of the speed of the surface, the weight of the ball, and the style of play. And I don't like combining the eras that much. But, you know, if you, if you really want to go through them, you know, you, you have to look at Novak's domination on hard courts for those three years was spectacular. Rogers was pretty amazing from, you know, 2004 to kind of 2010, maybe a little bit earlier, 2008. Um, Rafa's resurgence, Rafa's kind of ascension onto hard courts when he, those three guys, this era has been really spectacular when you see how well those guys have played on this surface. And let's not forget about Andy Murray, you know, winning the U.S. Open and playing so well on the hard courts, uh, winning the Olympics last year, gold medal on hard courts. So you can go on and on just with this era. And if you want to sprinkle in some of the other guys in the other eras, you've got to go with Pete and Andre, were spectacular. And then you've got to go with Lendl, Lendl and McEnroe. I mean, Lendl, I believe, was in the finals of the U.S. Open eight years in a row. So that's a pretty, fin- I mean, eight years in a row in the finals of the U.S. Open. That's amazing. So sprinkle those together, and I'll let all you guys debate as to who goes where. But it's been quite a 30 years or so of tennis. You've had a little bit of time. There is, there is no right or wrong answer, and yep. I'm not going to get you to put I, them one to five. So I'm going to make it as easy as possible because I know there are so many to choose from. But, but who's in there? there? Who's that five? Well, there is. It's it's hard to you know. You think of. Five. I've made it as easy as possible. Uh, yep, yep. <laughs> and you know, my first my first thought is to say, well, the open era. I, I mean, you could just talk about the current generation <laughs> right now. There's. Roger, obviously, we've got Djokovic, we've got Rafa, we've got Murray. I mean, there's four. Yeah. I mean, I've got who would one. be who would be your fifth if you were just doing it from the so top five hardcore players just from the current yeah. crop? Who goes in at five? Look, I mean, you're forgetting Agassi. There's Sampras. Not that not that you're forgetting, but yeah. but you know Agassi and Sampras have a right to be in that top yeah. five. Lendl, remembering <laughs> how many times he consecutive was it nine consecutive finals here at the U.S. Open. Gee, he, he knows his way around a, a hard court. Um, <laughs> I mean, you're over five already. Th- there you go. So, do I fail? No, I think <laughs> we should give more points for more. But isn't names. it a testament, though, yeah. to the current generation that probably, um, much like Paul, he elevated you know the top, the, the current top four, into the top all five, yeah. all, all-time yeah. five great hard court players. Yeah. Uh, Gee, and they're battling for that status of uh, being a Grand Slam champion or number one. It's tremendous incredible. era that if we're in. If you'd like to get in touch with us at ATP Tennis Radio, you can give us your five. And again, you don't have to be in order. And again, like Mark, if you just don't want to stick to the brief and you want to give me more than five, <laughs> you can give me as many as you want. So get how, in touch with I, us. How do you break <laughs> out of those? Sometimes you've got to be ruthless. Yes. And you've got to say five I don't is like the being limit. Ruthless. Okay. That's a nice quality. So. We'll take that. But I'm going to be ruthless on, on Twitter. I want people's five. Okay. Mark's on Twitter, so yeah. you can get in touch with Mark and mm-hmm. say, look, mm-hmm. I disagree with... They're not going to disagree because you named everyone. <laughs> so <laughs> normally they disagree... covered my bases. Yeah, normally they disagree with saying, how could you not have put this in? You've kind of covered everyone. So well, there's I think because it, there's probably a few more people that you could add in there, but I'll let the listeners um, throw in a couple of names. And someone I, I 
assume hopes that in years to come, maybe next year, hopes that we're putting him among those players is Sasha Zverev. He's also someone that Paul Anacone talked about. What can you say about Sasha Zverev? He turned 20 this year. He's got two Masters titles. He's pretty much all but confirmed that he's going to be at the Tour Finals in London. He qualified months ago for the next-gen finals mm. in Milan the week before. He has incredible belief, incredible talent, and it's just been, it's felt it's happened so quickly. I, I, yes, quick very fast um, I still have visions of him following you know his older brother to when when Misha first came on to the tour and he was this just this young gawky lanky I mean it just a, a little I mean he was knee-high to a grasshopper and you, you know there was no muscle on him and then he shot up um, you know height uh, he, he's winning junior tournaments and I mean I thinking that after his brother would warm up for matches and mum and dad would be there, they would stick around to hit with this little kid, um, you know, feeding balls, hand-feeding him. I bet they don't hand-feed him any now with those tennis balls. Um, but the, the excitement has really taken over for, me, from, uh, for him to be a part of this next generation. Obviously, I think it's a great move that the tour started the, with the next-gen tournament in Milan later this year. Um, but look, he could win that tournament and then uh, shortly after win the ATP finals, the year-ending finals. But the question mark for him at the moment, it's, it's in the majors, it's in the Grand Slams, isn't it? It's, it's doing something there. And the other thing, in, in Cincinnati, the tank was empty. I don't even think there were fumes. Mm -hmm. And he had that, his first match, he lost to Francis Tiafo, which was a second round match. And maybe it'll turn out to be a good thing that he got to have some rest ahead of coming to the US Open. But I think now... And he is in the bottom half of the draw. Yep. So there will be pressure on him because of his ranking, what he's done, and to do it on the biggest stage in tennis. Exactly. That's, that's the, the you know, say drawback. Um, he's still you know, in the early stages of his career. Um, it's something... It, it's a project. It's the, the, the Zverev project. I mean, he has had um, the, the trainer... Um, knowing how much you know taller he's going to get, he's going to fill out um, you know over the next few years. That there, there is a real systematic approach to the evolution of um, Zverev, um, and, and I fully believe he'll he'll reach um, in a year and a half. Um, you know, he's probably is, I, I think is it too soon these two we'll, weeks? Well. That's just the one question mark I have is the results, as you said, at Grand Slam level. Playing a, a week-long tournament, Master Series tournament, best of three sets, five matches, um, six matches, uh, that's manageable. Um, his, his Grand Slam record is, at this stage, it's still, you know, he, he's got to, that's the next step that I think he takes, is actually being in the latter stages of a, of a Grand Slam. And as you say, he's in the bottom half of the draw. Um, there is... There is an, a, an opening for him, and uh, we'll, we'll see. And with it, if the weather stays what we've forecast, the forecast is supposed to be quite, um, you know, friendly. Yeah. That's going to be, you know, helpful to to um, serve. Yeah. We're sitting at Flushing Meadows. We're in the media restaurant. It's nice and cool. The sun's gone behind the clouds, and we haven't actually spoken about any U.S. hopefuls for this tournament. John Isner, who comes in here as the the male number one in the US, which I know is a massive, massive thing. Sam Query, who's had a resurgence this season. Steve Johnson, 
doing well. So we're just starting here with the, the old guard, can yeah. we call them, but, but these guys are doing really well at the moment. They, they are, they are. And uh, for me, John Isner is a little like Zverev, his Grand Slam results. You know, for someone who's been inside uh, the top 15, pushed, you know, the top 10, um, he has the, the weaponry uh, to, to take on some of the very best, but over five sets. Um, in these conditions here at the US Open, I think that it, the build-up, it, it kind of, if he gets caught in a, in a difficult early round match, it really affects him. Um, Steve Johnson, I, I think, is an exciting player, um, but, you, you know, not sure that he, you know, is alive in, in week two. Um, Sam Query, you, you know, in a way, for me, is, is a player that could feature in the second week because there's a bit, there's a bit more. He's, he's not... Um, the, the weather conditions, the playing conditions, don't affect him adversely. I think they, it's almost like they, it helps uh, promote his game. Um, but experience, you, you know, at the US Open, has he been here in the second week before? So we've got the experience of those guys, and now we've got Jose Agueras, who has worked with so many of these young guys. I mean, he's a real godfather of these young crop yep. coming through, and he's been talking about some of the next generation. I was the uh, director of coaching for eight years, uh, finished at the end of last year. Uh, now um, I went back uh, to uh, working as a consultant. I worked for about 25 weeks a year, and basically just, just trying to, uh, trying to uh, keep the program as close as we um, as as we as we started it and, and, and progressing, and I think um, after after all this time, was, I can say that that we have a, a very good group of coaches and a, and a group of kids. Yeah, how excited are you about this new batch of, of talent, this new generation coming through? Well, after after all this time, once again, I, I think we are where we want to be, and now it's just a matter to see if we end up where we wanted to end up. That's that's a, it's a big step. And it's pretty challenging because it's, it's a tough transition for the uh, for the young kids, but uh, we we are excited and, and I'm hoping in the next couple of years we'll we'll have some guys uh, at the top. Yeah, they they all seem to have their different attributes, their their strengths and weaknesses. Who are you most excited by? I mean, uh, pretty much everybody. I mean, I think uh, I think the main thing is that everybody is uh, is, is working hard and, and becoming better and better professionals. But uh, you know, starting with. Uh, you know, with uh, with Tommy Paul or Francis or Riley Opelka or uh, Jared um, Donaldson or uh, Scobet. I mean, we have a good group of eight or ten kids. So uh, I'm not going to say who's going to make it and who doesn't because I don't know. But I think uh, I'm hoping that some of those guys will. Yeah, nine uh, of these guys in the top 30 in the, in the race to Milan, the next gen finals. Uh, that's a huge number, a third of of those young players. Well, what do you make of next gen and what it's done for that for that younger breed? The competition gets tougher once again. I think uh, I think the culture has has changed quite a bit in this country uh, in the last uh, X amount of years, and I think uh, everybody is getting more involved. We have uh, more ex-champions uh, getting involved, which is uh, fantastic. Likes uh, the likes of uh, Andre and uh, and Rorick and Jim Curry, etc. So so um, I think there is a series of uh, of factors that actually are contributing to 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 where we are now, but. Uh, uh, not, not only the, the Americans, I think uh, there are some exceptionally uh, talented uh, players coming up, and, and I think the future of tennis uh, is, 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 pretty, is pretty good looking forward. What do you make of this phenomenon of these uh, super coaches and the guys who are coming back into the game? 
I, I think it's, it's great for the game to, to uh, have some of the uh, ex-champions coming back. They have so much to, to offer. I think it makes the, the uh, not only the players better, but it, it makes the the, uh, the game better. It gives the game more credibility, and I'm hoping that the you know the Changs, the, the Beckers, the Ebers. I'm hoping that more and more of these guys uh, are, are really get tempted to come back and, and help some of the young kids. Because that's the exciting thing, as Josie was saying. There, we've got this crop of. When was the last time we had? We were this excited about the American players coming through, all the competition for places and those American young guys who I think probably they're pushing the likes of Isner and Query because they're like, hang on a second. I mean, I think Isner beat three of the young guys in Cincinnati kind yep. of saying, you know what, I'm still here. Yeah. I haven't gone. But it's so exciting that we've got the, the TFOs and the Donaldson and the Pauls and the Escobedos that are there. Don't forget Jack Sock as well. They're still still around and, and uh, um, you know, a high, high seed here. I, I, he's he's won more. I think the conditions here at the U.S. Open, over three sets in a week-long tournament. You know, watch out for Jack Sock if he is confident and is striking the ball out of the heart of the racket. But the weather conditions here, I think, somehow just sap it out of him. If you remember, you know, we've had scenes of him, you know, struggling with cramps in uh, a couple of matches uh, in past years. But you've got to hope for the for, for the best that you, you know it's a, a work in progress for them. He's still young, um, but he's leading that younger brigade. I feel, and and certainly those uh, names that you just mentioned. I mean, TFO, boy, he's got to come out against um, Roger Federer. Best well. best matchup for him, though. <laughs> I'd rather be playing if I was TFO. I'd rather be playing Roger in the first round as opposed to, you know, the fourth round or the quarterfinals. But he seems to thrive as well, TFO. He loves getting the crowd involved. He's such an exciting player. He jumps right. But I guess are they going to be nervous? It's their home slam, and we always talk at the French Open about the French players yes. who cannot deal with that home tournament nerves. We assume they're at home and they'll love it. Maybe it won't be the case for all players. I mean, I, I, th- I think a lot of the Americans, my opinion, a lot of the Americans, are they just they covet walking out onto this major stage here. Um, you know, yes, seeing that with uh, some of the, the French players not, not wanting to, to walk out onto court Philippe Chatrier. Uh, they prefer to be on Susan Longlong or perhaps the old bullring court one. Here, I just have that, that sense that the American players, you know, get me out onto the, the Ash Stadium there and, and they lay it out there. Um, you know, great attitude to have him. Jose Higueras, one of the best all-time coaches. Um, he has a lot of belief in these, this current crop. Um, now it's, it's time for them to step up. Now, I couldn't have Mark Woodford with me and not talk doubles, but before we do, let's oh. listen in to one half of the pairing, the defending champions, Jamie Murray and Bruno Suarez. This is Bruno Suarez. A little bit about coming back here to defend the title and what he gets up to when he's not playing tennis to relax in New York. season is always long. It's tough to play well the whole time. It's tough to keep consistent winning results the whole time, and we know that, so there's no panic in there. I think uh, uh, as long as we feel like uh, we're working hard, we're practicing well, and we're playing a, a good level, we know that any given day we, we can beat any team when we're playing well. Uh, we do in the, enjoy the hard courts. Uh, that's our best surface, best results. So, I mean, last year was a special year with two slams on hard. So we know this is a, a good time of the year for us and we've been working hard for this moment. And you and Jamie, as you say, the reigning US Open champions, yeah. uh, you must be happy that you're timing your run. Exactly. It's it's important moment. You know, we have, uh, you know, 
thousand events, the Grand Slams, so many important events in the calendar, and uh, it's good to play well on the on the right time. You know, uh, like I said, you know, there's no panic if you don't get the results as long as you feel that you're playing some good tennis. And uh, we know we've been playing some good tennis. We had some some tough losses here and there, and that that's part of the deal. But uh, so happy to be, you know, getting ready for the U.S. Open. Just finally, what will you do between uh, starting, hitting the first ball at Flushing Meadow? Enjoy the city, walk a little bit, and you know, forget a little bit about the about the yellow ball, and then and then start working uh, on our game, preparing. You know, we're gonna be in New York already, so it's good that we can get the preparation on the match courts that we're gonna play on, and uh, start feeling on the vibe. You know, there's a lot of hype uh, pre slam, so it's good that you get the you know with with time to get used to everything. You know, settle down and then be ready to compete favorite place in new york well my favorite place in new york it's uh, central park south that's where i try to stay there's a lot of good areas uh, good places around there that i know funny enough this year i'm staying completely opposite i'm staying with a friend and he lives at wall street so it's going to be a a new experience for me Uh, i've been there but never really experienced that area so looking forward it's going to be different at least i get a a week to get my my routines uh, uh, around around that area and uh, and enjoy the city once again what's it like coming back and here to defend a title do you feel the extra pressure coming back as defending champions or can you lose the pressure because you've won it hmm. i i think well for todd and i but uh, our our process um was um nothing about what happened in the previous year it, it uh, well you you we walked onto the grounds um singles was was our priority so that was the focus and i think that in a way alleviated the pressure, the pressure of walking in oh you're the defending doubles champions um uh, you, you know I, every tournament the priority was the singles and uh, in a sense if we uh, well in, in in a specific way if we started to strike it well on the singles court we knew it was going to happen on the doubles court for us and uh, because we would navigated our ways uh, our, our way through often enough at some of the slams it it um and I don't want to say make it sound like blasé that it was easy, but it was so helpful once yeah. we had repeated a number of times. This one event, though, was very difficult. Look, uh, for us, the, the last Grand Slam we won for the very first time was Roland Garros. That was a very difficult one for us. But here, it, it was extremely taxing on us because it was, again, the latter part of the season. Um, you're already fatigued from battle weary from all the other tournaments the u.s summer um at at times there weren't the favored teams still alive at the latter end of the tournament how good a doubles pairing do you believe bruno suarez and jamie murray to be who i um i think they've actually it's been a year of trying to um hold on to the form that they started 2016 with that victory at the Australian Open. That set a tone. Um, I think this year they've, um, they realised that they became targets. Your Grand Slam winners, ooh, that's, you know, all the other teams are gunning for them. They wanted to beat Murray and Suarez. Um, it was, I think they found some difficulty living up to those expectations. And I think this year is like a rejuvenation. Um, it's almost like that bit of that pressure is off of them. But interesting that you said they're defending champions here. Um, it's, it's, um, you know, it's a, it's a, 
uh, at something very different, different animal to try and handle um, here in New York. They're going to be marked as defending champions, um, but they've had a good lead-up season. They're tough. They're tough players because they've got such positive attitudes on the court. And you know, I think uh, you know, for Jamie, um, you, you know, he continually shows week after week how professional he is. Professionalism has won them so many matches. Now, Bruno spoke about what he likes to do away from the tennis to relax. I spoke to Kyle Edmund early. He said on his day off, he got his hair cut, which is lovely. What did you use that to do? That takes all of half an hour. Well, it might sometimes take longer. What did you like to do on your day off to get away from tennis during a Grand Slam? During a Grand Slam? I think I cherish those days off. Um, uh, and, and I tried to get the practice done early. Um, Grand Slams, you, you know, you know the volume of players here in the first few days. Um, it would be a matter of um, coming out here very early. If it was 7:30, 8 a.m., um, getting as much practice done in the early hours, so that I wasn't caught up in, you know, the the drama that exists in the first few days. And we actually loved trying out different Chinese restaurants for dim sum. Nice, perfect. Mark, it's been an absolute pleasure. Finally, who's going to win the trophy? End of the two weeks, who'll be lifting the final Grand Slam of the year? Um, I, okay, I, can it be nameless? <laughs> nameless in the fact that, that it's going work? to be—it's going to be someone from. It's going to be someone down on the bottom half of the draw. What? I actually, yeah. So not Roger Federer and not Rafa Nadal. I'm gonna I'm gonna take that that step out. I I think I believe we will see someone from the bottom half of the draw come like through okay. um, and holding the trophy for the first time. Wow, Mark, thank you very much for your company. It's a pleasure, Mark always. Woodford, off to find some dim sum. Um, that is it from us. Uh, if you would like to get updates from the tournament, ATP Tennis Radio, we will have daily news updates and I will be back next week giving you sort of a half-term report to see how things are going and looking ahead to the second week. Thank you very much for your company. Thank you again to Mark Woodford and we'll speak to you again soon.